All right, everyone, welcome to a July 4th, a special July 4th episode of the New York Sports Roundup podcast. You got Chris and Jim here tonight. Happy birthday, America. Uh, I know that, uh, like like every other country, we, we've got our share of problems, but no place I'd rather live. So uh, so we're happy to, to wish America a happy birthday. Please excuse us if you hear fireworks in the background. Um, nothing we can do about that. Our, our respective neighborhoods apparently think that we're still fighting the War of Independence, given the amount of fireworks they've been shooting off two houses down. I saw a guy with a fucking carload, literally packed floor to ceiling with fireworks that, that he obviously procured illegally. Uh, Hopefully he'll have all his fingers tomorrow. uh, But, but we make no promises. And so if that guy decides to start shooting off his, his arsenal, uh, I I don't know what to tell you all other than uh, happy birthday, America. And we'll try and do the best we can. Got a lot to talk about tonight. We are going to talk about the NBA. We're going to talk about Major League Baseball. Specifically on the NBA, some some Knicks rumors we got to talk about. Maybe a potential or impending trade on the horizon. But before we get to that, we're going to start with the big story in the NFL. And that is Cam Newton. Signs with the Patriots. Oh, of course. Um, kind of an amazing deal. Uh, one year, uh, $1 million, basically the league, not basically the league minimum for a guy with, uh, Cam's, uh, tenure in the league vet with more than seven years experience. And this is coming after months and months and months of news reports that the words, the word out of new England was they had no interest in Cam and Cam and Belichick couldn't mix and, all of this other stuff that was apparently, um, you know, just a smokescreen. So let's let's start there, Jim. First of all, after everything we heard over the past couple of months of Cam's not going to the Pats, are you surprised that Cam signed with the Pats? I'm surprised he signed for that low. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I didn't think Bill Belichick would just, you know, go into the season with Jared Siddham as the starting quarterback. I thought there would be some competition that he wanted. And this is just a perfect scenario. I I think, you know, watching Cam Newton last year wasn't a great sample size. Obviously, he was injured in the beginning of the year, and then they shut him down. Um, Before that, though, in 2018, you know, he wasn't that bad. Actually, he had the best completion percentage he ever had um, in the NFL. He is still throwing basically a two-to-one touchdown-interception ratio. And you got to figure that New England usually has a, a good enough offensive line that they will protect you for a decent amount of time. And with Cam Newton's throwing arm the way it is, you know, he should be able to get to a lot of open receivers. Now, the problem is two issues, right? The first issue is the New England wide receivers. Um, you have an aging Edelman. You have, you know, uh, Nikhil Harry, who, 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 who knows what, who he's going to turn out to be. Um, you have Mohamed Sanu, who is decent, but he is just really a possession receiver like Edelman is. Um, he has a little bit of speed, but not much. Matt Ryan couldn't do much with him. You know, so you wonder what Cam Newton can do, being that his success came with a blazing Steve Smith and obviously uh, DJ Moore and some of the rookies and Curtis Daniels, some of the rookies they have in Carolina. So I just wonder how effective Cam Newton will be. Now, the, the I think the difference here 
And the second thing I want to bring up is how Bill Belichick will utilize his running. So we know that Ron Rivera um, wanted to steer away from running Cam Newton too much after like just destroying him over a period of four years and really just killing his, I mean, honestly, killing his career uh, or even shortening it the way he ran him. So I'm wondering, uh, you know, how they can do now, obviously Tom Brady's a lot of quarterback sneaks. Uh, Maybe Cam Newton does that as well, but I wonder if they're going to do any scrambling, but honestly, when, when you look at, when you look at top to bottom, how this signing was, you have to give it an A. There's, and, and I'm saying this as a Jets fan, right? You have to give yeah. it an A because of the amount of money. This yeah. is a, this is the, the prototypical low risk, high reward. And the guy is going to be a starter if he's healthy. And apparently, according to the reports on New England, they screened him a few times before it went to physical. So this wasn't like, well, we're going to sign you for a million dollars and we're going to see how you do in the physical. No, they screened him a couple of times prior to the physical. So they know he's healthy and it's going to be interesting that Patriots still have a great defense. You know, Tom Brady wasn't great last year for everybody. You know, all the people who are saying, Oh, Tom Brady's going to really revolutionize the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He wasn't that good. And honestly, a lot of catches by Edelman really shielded the fact that Tom Brady wasn't accurate last year. It wasn't effective. So if Cam Newton, come, like I said, can come in with a strong arm and, and, and at least improve a little bit of his accuracy, you know, I'm sure Belichick can develop a game plan that will <laughs> en- enhance his strengths and limit yeah, his weaknesses. So. You know, I, I think mean, it'll you, be. I think it'll be good. Do you do you think Cam is? I mean, you said he's the starter. You think he's the starter? I mean, you're not buying this whole. He's coming in with an open competition and having a competition with Stidham. I mean, you think if he's healthy and he, you know, shows what he can do in training camp and he, you know cooperates with Belichick and dots his I's and crosses his T's and he's a good boy. You think he's the starter? hundred percent. I mean, Cam Newton is 31 years old. Now, I know he, he may seem like he's 38, but he's 31. The guy has got miles on his legs, but he does not have a lot of miles on his arm. And if, like I said, if he has, if his shoulder is improved, he's six foot five. He is a big presence. And if, if Bill Belichick is able to convert Cam Newton, watch out NFL. I, and, and Jared Stidham, for all of the positives, he is not what Garoppolo was to the Patriots. Let me tell um, you about that. Let me tell you about that. So Jared Stidham has thrown the ball four times in a, in a regular season NFL game, and he has one interception. Out yeah. of four throws, he's got one interception. So, I mean, that's not good. No. Um, so, I mean, I know it's a small sample size, but but I agree with you. There's nothing we've seen – out of Stidham where, where he's even in the preseason. Like, like, do you remember any preseason games where you've seen that guy and been like, like, wow, he could really be a starter in this league. I don't remember that. I don't really remember it either. Um, you know, the problem was the Patriots depth on what that's the thing right there. Depth on wide receivers got awful. So whoever Stidham was throwing to would have been the second and third stringers, maybe even further than that. So, my, my issue with Jared Siddham is, is this, and the same issue I really had with a lot of the backup quarterbacks that the Patriots had. I understand they some of them went on to success. Um, but, you know, Jared, at the end of the day, Jared Siddham is a sixth-round uh, – sorry, a fourth-round pick. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo was a second-round pick. Right. You know, there, was, there was a lot of steam behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Um, you know, Jacoby Brissett. I mean, this guy, like, again, is – Philip Rivers isn't a star over Brissett this year. You know, he wasn't amazing for the Patriots, and he was a third-round pick. So Stidham is a fourth round pick. I understand. Okay. Well, Tom Brady was a stick. I don't give a shit about that. That was a mirage. I mean, that never, that, come on, that doesn't happen all the time, 
What I'm saying is I think the Patriots' backup quarterbacks are always elevated, always. No matter if you go back to, you know, like, uh, and I'm forgetting his name, the guy that went to the, uh, unless they went to the Chiefs. Um, uh, oh, Matt, yeah. Ca- Matt Castle. Matt Castle. 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 Yeah. yeah. So you're talking about a guy that was so overblown because he, he put to the Patriots yeah. the winning, a winning record, 12-4. and four. I don't think they even went to play the or eleven to five. They didn't make the playoffs that year, I don't believe. Or they didn't win the division. I know that. But you know, a guy that went to the Chiefs and, and just completely derailed. You know, these got these backup quarterbacks and because oh, you learn from Tom Brady. That doesn't mean shit. <laughs> That's bullshit. That never means anything. It never I don't, means anything. No, and I, it only means something when you have a really good veteran backup that may show the ropes to a QB about a, a playbook. But as far yeah. as, like, improving their, their worth, no, no I don't it doesn't improve that. their accuracy. Come on. I mean, I mean, Garoppolo, I mean, the thing is, before Garoppolo became a starter, before he was traded away for a second-round pick, I mean, there was every sign that, that he was going to be good. And that's why they got a second-round pick for him. And that's why, one time, Belichick, you know, wanted to turn the reins over to Garoppolo, only to get vetoed by Robert Kraft. I mean, that was the exception to the, you know, backup quarterback becoming the next guy thing. Like, you just knew he was going to be the next guy. We don't know anything about Stidham. So, I agree with you that Cam Newton, you know, is, is likely going to be the starter in New England. I think this is a, a total coup for them. I think, you know, it shows that, you know, Belichick continues to play chess while, while some of the rest of the league is playing fucking Candyland. They're not even playing checkers. I don't know what they're thinking. And, and let me talk about that for a second, because there are some other teams out there that you look at Cam Newton signing for minimum dollars. Now, I, okay, he can get up to $7.5 million with incentives, but still, if he makes the incentives, $7.5 million is a freaking bargain, right? So let, let's talk about some of the other teams, because there, there are really three teams that come to mind for me that this is just a total screw-up for, and I'll do them in sort of order from, from least screw-up to, to most screw up, right? To me, the the team that this is a, a screw up for, but perhaps the least screw up for, is the uh, Miami Dolphins. And and the reason why I think the Dolphins screwed up is because you know you have Tua, but he's going to redshirt, right? And so you know what an ideal situation for them to take a low-risk flyer on a guy like Cam and have Tua, you know, learn from Cam and redshirt under Cam instead of, you know, Fitzpatrick or who they're ever going to be. Plus, it sells a bunch of tickets for them. So I think it's a screw-up for them. I think it's a bit of a screw-up for Jacksonville. I'm not at all sold on Gardner Minshew. I don't know how you don't bring Cam into Jacksonville to compete with that fucking guy at minimum dollars, right? And so, and so I think it was a screw-up for them. And now I want to talk about two teams it was a big screw-up for. The Tennessee Titans being one of them. I am not sold on Ryan Tannehill, and I am certainly not sold on Ryan Tannehill for $100-plus million. I thought that was a terrible contract. I thought it was a terrible decision. And now it looks even worse, right? Because you gave like, – like in the playoffs, the Titans game-planned around Tannehill not having to throw the ball. I mean, he was basically just a game manager who threw on third and less than six. So – you, you knew he was a weak spot. You gave him $117 million. And then Cam Newton, a guy who's arguably better, signs for like minimum dollars with New England. Like you're going to honestly sit there and tell me that Tennessee is better with Ryan Tannehill at $100 million over four years 
than they are with like a two-year deal for Cam. I think I think that is ridiculous. And then the team I'm going to kill the most. This is an F minus. The Washington Redskins. This is the most Redskin move of all time. You've got Ron Rivera, who, you know, has worked with Cam, went fifteen and one with Cam, got along great with Cam by all accounts, and you don't sign him because. You want to see what you have in Dwayne Haskins. Let me tell you what you have in Dwayne Haskins. He sucks. He's garbage. He's never going to be a top 15 quarterback. If you don't know that, you shouldn't be an NFL scout. You shouldn't be an NFL coach. Like, like Dwayne Haskins is garbage. We all know it. He's never going to be a top 15 player, top 15 quarterback in this league. How the Washington Redskins don't buy low on Cam and see if he and Ron Rivera can catch lightning in a bottle again going forward. Uh, it's just beyond stupid. It makes them the, that's what makes him the Redskins. Dwayne Haskins at bat, his ceiling is Geno Smith. He's going to be out of the league in three to four years. Okay. So not signing Cam as a Redskins fan. I mean, you, you got to just be killing them, right? I mean, are, are you as, as offended at this as I am? Well, I, yeah, I think what's what's going on here. So I think people are saying, you know, oh, it's the book's out on Cam then if Ron Rivera didn't want him back. Well, first of all, Dan Snyder is the GM of that team, similar to how Jerry Jones is the GM of the Cowboys. You know, what Dan Snyder wants, Dan Snyder gets, and he doesn't want to get embarrassed by the Dwayne Haskins pick. So they're going to try to make this work as much as they can. But I agree with you. I think they're really overhyping Haskins by what he did in the final three games of last year. But they don't highlight the fact that you know, McLaurin is probably one of the best receivers in the NFL right now. And what he was doing last year was incredible. 70 yard breakout runs. You think Haskins was doing any of that shit? Like McLaurin was getting double teamed and still breaking up for 30, 40 yards. The guy was a fantasy. Like you would put him in your DraftKings lineup and all you had to do was sit back, have a couple of drinks and relax. And you knew <laughs> he was going to get you 20 points that day. You just had to build your team around him. And that's how great he was last year. You know, I agree with you. I think the Redskins, I don't know what they're doing. I, I think Ron Rivera is, he's trying to get back to this whole, well, they did well by running the ball last year. So let's continue that. And let's just get a bunch of different running backs. Let's have a big defense and let's go, let's go to war. But you need a quarterback in, this, in today's NFL. You're not going to win by the whole, you know, Rex Ryan running the ball down your throat offense that just doesn't win anymore. You have to have a quarterback that can throw. And, and, and I agree with you. I think Dwayne Haskins is not the guy going forward in that organization. I'm very surprised that. And I, here's the other thing, right? It's that we're talking about a million dollars, maybe 1.5 with guarantees. You're telling me that there's even the teams you mentioned on top of that, the Las Vegas Raiders. You're, not, you're telling me Cam Newton is not a, a Gruden guy. You're telling me that, you know, Los Angeles Rams didn't have a million dollars I could scrape up to back up Jared Goff just in case he blows up again like he always does. You're right. telling me that Kyler Murray couldn't have a suitable backup because he's right. running a, a million times and they actually need some, some body behind him to be successful. Same thing with Texans. Wow. The same thing with the Ravens. These guys, they have it's quarterbacks amazing. just run. You can't, you can't afford a guy that's 31 who's been to a Super Bowl <laughs> for $1.5 million. Like, I come know. on, guys. It's, it's like, completely ridiculous. <laughs> But, but, but back to the Redskins, like, I don't want to hear anything about Haskins, you know, last three games. Like, like that is all bullshit. Let me tell you about Dwayne Haskins' stats, okay, last year, all right, the games he started. He had, in those five games, he threw for 1,300 yards, a completion percentage of 58.6 with seven touchdowns and seven interceptions. That is fucking terrible 
And then you say, oh, well, well, you can't look at his first two games. Just look at his last three games. Okay, let's look at his last three games. In one of them, he had a completion percentage of 59.3%, throwing for a grand total of 170 yards. And in his last game against my Giants, he was 12 of 15 for 133 yards. Okay, the guy... 133 yards in this last game. That's what he fucking threw for. And you're telling me, no, we got to see what we have with this guy. We we any we we're not going to take a flyer on on Cam Newton. At least bring Cam in to quote unquote compete, so that when he kicks the shit out of Haskins in the preseason, you don't look like an asshole. Like when Haskins blows up next year or the year after, and and he's out of the league. If Cam makes a comeback. I mean, the Redskins are just going to look like idiots. I mean, they already look like idiots, and for good reason. They are idiots. Dan Snyder is the Jim Dolan of football. I mean, they are stupid as hell. But but I am absolutely killing them for this for this non-move, whatever you want to call about it. And you're exactly right. They're not alone. There's like 12 teams in the league that that probably could have used Cam Newton at, at, at minimum league minimum money and didn't do it. So congratulations to everybody. You just gave Cam to Bill Belichick, and now we're going to get to see what that guy can do with a mobile quarterback. I mean, way to fuck the Jets over in the entire AFC. Um, Thank you, NFL. Okay, so while we're on the Redskins, before we move off that, uh, Daniel Snyder once said he'd never, ever, 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 a lot of evers in there, change the name. And now with what's going on, he's put the name under review like they may change the name. What do you think of that? (laughs) I, I don't know. I think um, uh, it's tough because I know that, you know, FedEx is putting a lot of pressure on them. And I, I know they have a lot of sponsors who are putting a lot of pressure on them. Dan Snyder has always him. I, I it's, it's a very weird situation. Um, you know, I don't know if honestly, I, I understand that Ron Rivera is big and is he, I think he's, I, you know, again, I, I'm trying to talk to my head, but I'm pretty sure it's like a big activist. Um, I think he, you know, I, he is, I think Mexican and Puerto Rican or his parents were at least. So he has a lot of, um, you know, push and pull when it comes to a lot of this stuff too. And I understand Ron Rivera is getting a lot of issues um, with, with what's going on in state society. Do I think the name is, is offensive? I mean, again, I'm not native American. I, I, I assume that it, maybe it is for them. But this goes back, and I understand we have another topic coming up too with almost similar to what this is um, as well. And when I say similar, I mean like, what do we want as a society, right? Like, what do we want? Do we want meaningful change or do we want superficial change? And to me, this is superficial. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's basically, well, let's just change the name and make it the Washington Braves or the Washington Native Americans, or maybe just the Washington Americans, because we're in Washington DC, you know, like, okay, great. Like, what, like, I don't like, I, I just don't understand the impact of it. And I, I'll be honest with you. I think it, it's, it's main society today where it's like, we see one, we see one thing and we want everything affected by that one thing. And again, I, we had this conversation on the last podcast, right? Where we talk about, we're not, we're not saying that, or at least I'm not saying that, you know, what the cop in Minnesota did was was just. Obviously, I'd be a moron to say something like that. And yes, 
when you look at something like that, maybe cops do need to have more scrutiny when it comes to normal arrests, normal pe- you know, pulling people over normally. But does that mean that we need to fire every single police officer in the country? Does that mean that we need to get rid of police officers in general? Like, that's where I feel like this is heading. I feel like why, like, okay, now that we're on this snowball effect of quote unquote progression, let's get rid of the Redskins name because we've always tried to be doing, oh, by the way, the Indians are bad too in Cleveland. Get rid of them. It's like, well, like, what is that going to do? Like, is that, like, who does that help? And then you have Native Americans going on record saying, guys, we don't give a shit about this. Right. You know what we give a shit about? We give a shit about systematic poverty. Yeah, like getting, we're, casi- like, getting casinos thrown at us right. like we're like fucking dogs. That's what we care about. Like, we don't care about a fucking Redskins name. You know? I know. And <laughs> you, you know, it's a good point too because because like that that was the whole debate when Congress sent a letter to Dan Snyder a couple of years ago. You know, a couple of Congress men and women, you know, saying he should change the name because it's racist. And and leaving that aside for a second, I'm like. Really, Congress, you're the guys who want to wade into this dispute. How many treaties has Congress ratified with the Native American people that they have then turned around and broken? And like the U.S. government, how many Native Americans has the U.S. government killed? And you guys are going to be lecturing a private team about a name like like I'm not saying the name should be changed. I'm not saying the name shouldn't be changed, but I am saying that. The U.S. government is not the right person to, or they're not the right entity to be saying you you need to change the name because you're offending Native Americans. Native Americans in every survey I've seen have said they don't give a shit about this. Um, the name is not offensive to me. I mean, I get why some people think it's offensive. I am Italian heritage. If you named them the Washington Guinea Wops, I wouldn't care. Um, I. I it's just not a, you know, I don't think about it that way. And maybe it's because I'm not in a minority protected class. I agree with you that there's, there's, you know, a little bit of atmospherics here as opposed to real change, but, but look, we got to deal, we got to deal with the hand we're dealt and this is happening. That name is getting changed. Nobody, I, I can't see even Dan Snyder being so stupid to say, we're going to put the name under review and then do the review in this climate and come back and say, no, nah, we've done a review. We think it's fine. Right. It's changing. The name's fucking changing. So in, in that event, do you have any, any favorites, any front runners of what you want to see the name change to? I'll be, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if it was the Washington Americans. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, they did some, throwback um to a tribe and again i'm not well versed in native american tribes and who is around in the, on the east coast of washington but like you know again i'll just draw out a name again don't email us saying that's not the right fucking tribe i don't know i'm just naming one <laughs> so like the washington iroquois for instance like i could see them doing that you know i could see them kind of giving tribute to that's a, tribe. a new york tribe you fucking idiot they're not gonna do yeah, that. exactly like i mean i don't fucking i haven't again i probably should learn more about history when it comes yeah. to our native american population but again I, I would see maybe something like that um i don't see them going to like i know people are making jokes about oh they'll rename it to like you know washington generals or like they'll make it like where it's like a joke but i'm like do you think dan snyder's gonna do that come on the guy's not gonna fucking make a joke of his team like they're gonna do something serious and they're gonna rename the team it's still gonna be native american based you think um 
Oh, I think so. But I think it's going to be more of a tribute. It's got to be. They can never do – like, what do you think they're going to do? Like the, name, like the Washington Kaepernick's? Like, no, they can't no, fucking – No, I you know, like, God, I was thinking <laughs> – the, the Washington Red Tails was in the lead. And, and for those of you who don't know what the Red Tails are, um, I didn't either. I actually just, just read this in an article talking about what the name could be. The Red Tails were the names given to the first uh, African-American uh, military fighter squadron. And uh, three of the first pilots were from Washington, D.C., apparently. And so uh, apparently there, you know, that's gotten some traction. The Washington Red Tails. I saw that. It yeah. sort of honors the military. It honors the African-American contribution to the military. And, um, you know, it's something we can all get behind. So and, and you, by the way, it starts with an R. That helps. You wouldn't have to change, you know, necessarily too much surrounding, uh, you know, the, the team and the, the logos and whatever. But. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I think that there's also got to be push and pull around. Should it be something to honor Native Americans? But, but this is, you know, one thing we definitely agree about is, and, and, and I'm sorry if people get pissed off at me for saying this, but I watch sports to get away from all this stuff, right? Like the politics, the, the social issues, like however well-intentioned that all of this is, I feel like, keep it out of sports to some extent. Like, I just want to, like, when I watch sports, like, I don't want to think about all of this tension and divide and, and, you know, what's going on in the country. Like, I just want to sit back and watch Odell Beckham Jr. Like catch a football, right? Cause it's amazing to watch. And I want to sit back and watch LeBron James dunk over two guys with his left hand. Cause it's amazing to watch. I don't, I don't really want like a whole social thing going on you know i don't want to deal with politics i don't want to deal with divisiveness and should we change the name shouldn't we change the name so so that's kind of where i am honestly like i i would prefer that that sports be immune to all this stuff but i guess it's naive of me to try and put it in a bubble right i guess that's naive well i mean i i agree with it to the extent of like it's not healthy and anyway, like from what you read, it's not healthy mentally to always be surrounded by politics, surrounded by negative social media aspects. And I get there are people suffering in this country, in this world. I get that people want to change and want to drive change. And I, I understand that there's a lot of, I would say, positive progression happening. And there's a lot of regression happening, right? There's, I think there's two different factors. And you have also layered in on top of all of this is the nationwide and worldwide pandemic um, that is just, you know, people for, are forgetting about or trying to forget about or not, you know, taking seriously or taking too seriously. I mean, there's just a lot of things going on. So all of that layered in, to your point, do we need more on top of that as far as the cherry on top of the ice cream sundae? If we're going to do that, then what's the point of sports? Because I agree with you. It's like, to me, sports was always an escape. Um, of course, there was a lot of tribalism involved in sports when it's your favorite team versus your your rival and your the sports fans hate each other. And, and obviously, that's, that's part of the game. But normally, it ends when the whistle sounds, whatever right. sport you're in. If you include politics, if you include societal issues into sports, it'll never end. Because it'll be like this team and this this person is more just 
than that other team because their owner did this or they didn't do enough for the flag or they didn't, it's and it's always it's never going to end and you're going to just constantly be surrounded by you know problems and guess what like here and here's my issue and I don't want, I don't mean to keep talking about this Chris but like my issue is that there's not enough people who say you know what I'll listen right there's a lot of just like back and forth and not enough like just sitting down and and when when we when you did look back to the 1960s and 1970s and even 1950s there were a lot of debate stages proper debate not this presidential bullshit that happens now where everybody makes fun of each other i'm, I'm talking about meaningful let's put our cards on the table and talk about what my problems are what your problems are let's talk about it you know like none of that happens anymore and when you start pushing and forcing shit into sports then you can't it's in your face how can you ever talk about it like you can't respond to it because like it's it's right here, you know. So that's a lot of stuff that's happening today to me anyway. And to your point, when it's included in something that should be like our pastime and something that we look to kind of disengage from regular society, well, now we can't anymore. And now yeah. we're like, what do we? Where, where do we go? No, where do becomes, we go as a society to break break from that? It becomes a huge problem. I mean, I mean, it used to be, you know, you could go to Madison Square Garden, and and of course in Madison Square Garden, you're going to see every gender every race, many different socioeconomic statuses represented in Madison Square Garden during a Knicks game. And all of them are on the same page for three hours about what they want, which is they want to see the Knicks win. They want to see the Knicks go to the playoffs. They want to see the Knicks win a championship. Brings the city together like nothing else. Now when you start adding in these divisive things into that mix – I don't know that it has the same magic, right? Because there's people who are going to be for things and people who are going to be against things, you know, politically. And, and, you know, is it the kind of environment where other things start to invade that, you know, we all just want to see the Knicks win kind of atmosphere? Because I, I think that would be a real shame. I mean, there's, there's so many a- avenues and different, you know, arenas in this country that are built towards dividing us like politics puts us on a team um that it was just nice to have something to, to that had no affiliation with any of this and and you know sports was that thing and you know now it maybe not be as much and and i think that's that's a tough thing to to come to grips with uh while we're on the subject of the of the nba there's there are some nick specific rumors that we need to talk about um, multiple outlets reporting and, and, you know, who knows if this is just a silly season or if it's really true, but multiple outlets reporting that the Knicks have an interest in trading for Devin Booker. Uh, what do you think about that? You think there's any fire near that smoke? You think that he's a good fit, bad fit? How do you feel about that? I have a lot of feelings about it. I think the, <laughs> the, the general consensus is that Leon Rose – is really the fire behind this. Obviously, Leon Rose was just hired as the GM for the Knicks. Uh, he was a former agent of Devin Booker and also Carl Anthony Towns. And he made a statement that he's going to be improving the team, not just in the draft, uh, but also with free agency and trading. So there's been a lot of smoke around. Well, does, you know, when we look at um, Brody Van, uh, if I pronounce his name right, Van Wagman of the Mets, um, where he represented, you know, Suspetis and also Robinson Cano. And all of a sudden, in a couple of years, well, well, Suspetis was always on the Mets, but Robinson Cano is, is, is a Met, right? So there's always, there's, there's kind of like this background. Now, 
here's where I kind of draw the line. I, do I think Devin Booker is a great player? I do. Is he doing anything for the Suns? No. Do I think Carl Anthony Towns is a great player? Of course. Do I think he's doing anything for the Timberwolves? No. You know, so if I if if you're going to try to tell me that, and I, and I read this online, that for Devin Booker, it starts, it starts this as a centerpiece around R.J. Barrett. You can get the fuck out of here. I am not having a trade package centering around R. What does that mean? So. I got to give R.J. Barrett and, and ones up for Devin? Are you kidding? First of all, R.J. Barrett at 19 last year, now he's he just turned 20, had a fantastic season for a rookie at 19. The guy was, in the past like few games, he was averaging t- over 20 points a game. He was ripping down rebounds. He made game-winning shots for a fucking terrible French, a terrible team last year. And he was getting like three to four steals a game. Like he is rounding out to be a great player for the Knicks in a position that honestly is a position that pretty much would you need for a franchise, a small forward position. I am not going to trade RJ Barrett for a guy that basically just shoots a three all the time. He's a catch and shoot guy. And I understand he does other things. He can, he can play the point if he needs to, but the Knicks have four fucking point guards. So like, (laughs) we don't, we don't need that. Now, if you're going to tell me Carl Anthony Towns on the block, which I heard that rumored as well. Would I still trade RJ Barrett? No, I wouldn't because he's going to, these guys are getting paid a ton of fucking money. And, you know, again, Devin Booker just got extended. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns just got extended. RJ Barrett's on a rookie deal right now. That's valuable to today's NBA because I understand the Knicks are shit now, but they're trying to get to a place where they're going to have money to at least offer Giannis or any, or anyone who comes available that we can try to build a team around. But, Am I trading R.J. Barrett for either one of those guys? Absolutely fucking not. And it would be a disgrace. It would be a disgrace if if Leon Rose came to this organization and his first move was to trade our number one pick, that our third overall that you know we were looking forward to for fucking forever. And it was should it should have been Zion Williamson, but whatever. That's that's besides the point. Um, who we've been looking forward to forever for fucking Devin Booker. And well, by the way, we have to throw in a, a first and probably a second to get it done. Get the fuck out of here. The Knicks aren't in a position to do that. And we should be building through the draft and we should be building through free agency when we can, but we should not be building through trades by trading away our top asset for, for Devin Booker. Yeah. I mean, I get that. I get that. There's a lot to unpack there. Let's, let's start with the Leon Rose angle. I mean, what Leon Rose brings to the Knicks is his relationships as an agent. And and the Knicks have kind of doubled down by that on that by hiring William Wesley or more more colloquially or well known uh as Worldwide West. If you don't know who Worldwide West is, uh you're doing a, a huge disservice to yourself. Google him. Um there's an incredible article that's titled The Most Powerful Man in the NBA Who You Don't Know or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Bill Simmons has written articles about him. He is apparently one of these guys who has relationships all over the league, just like Leon Rose does. And so the Knicks are, are doubling down on, you know, trying to attract talent through relationships. Now, I don't know how well any of that's going to work because, you know, at the, at the end of the day, Jim Dolan is still Jim Dolan and he can fire those guys tomorrow. So if you're a star thinking about coming to the Knicks, 
you know, on like a four or five year deal because of Leon Rose and William Wesley, you don't know how long those guys are going to be there. Jim's Dolan's not going anywhere. So I, I don't know that, that you can really sort of sink your, you know, your, your trust and, and put your career in the hands of, well, these guys are here today. I mean, Phil Jackson was here today and he was gone tomorrow. Right. So like, you don't know. Um, so that's, that's the first thing. The, the second thing is, so you bring up a, a interesting point. Like the Knicks are not in a great spot to be given up draft picks because, uh, because, you know, it's, it's obviously a rebuilding team. And the way to rebuild as we all know is through the draft. That's the best and easiest way to rebuild. The problem is with what you just said is you don't want to include RJ Barrett in a trade for Devin Booker. That's fine. That's a perfectly understandable opinion, perfectly reasonable opinion. But if you're not going to include R.J. Barrett and you're not going to give up a huge amount of picks, who the fuck are the Knicks going to trade to get Devin Booker? There's literally no one else who, who makes sense. And, and here's why. The Knicks right now, there's 12 guys on the team. Six of them you wouldn't take for free. Like if – if the Knicks GM called you and you're like, Hey, do you want these six guys? You don't have to give us anything. You'd say, no, I don't want them. Right. So that leaves six guys left. Three of those guys are, are Dennis Smith, Jr. Knox and Nikhil Atina. They have some value, but I would make the argument that it's like late second, mid to late second round pick value. They're the kind of guys who you take a flyer on because they're young. They've shown flashes and you think maybe if they're not on the dysfunctional Knicks, they'll blossom into something. But, you know, for those of you Knicks fans who think that they're worth more or a lot more than that, let me tell you, let me throw some numbers at you. They averaged between 15 and 22 minutes last year. None of them scored as many as seven points a game, okay? None of them scored seven points a game, and none of them shot more than – shot even 40% from the field. So there's not a lot of value there, Knicks fans. So the three guys with some legitimate value are Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett, and Julius Randle, right? Those are the three guys who have any legitimate value. If you take R.J. Barrett out of that mix, I don't think Mitchell Robinson, Randle, and a pick gets it done for Devin Booker. So, so basically, if you're not willing to include R.J. Barrett, you're not going to get him, I don't feel like. And and if you do include R.J. Barrett, then you have the problem of you've traded a young, cheap asset for a young guy who's who's proven in the league, but who's making 20, what does he make, 26 million a year in a contract that goes up to 33 million a year? So you're eating a lot of cap space, and instead of R.J. Barrett in pieces – now you've got Devin Booker in pieces. And how much does that really move the needle for you? I, well, I agree with you. And honestly, like you made a good point. So part of that point I didn't really get to is, you know, how do you get Devin Booker? I don't fucking want Devin Booker. You don't want this team has, I, I don't, don't want, want him for the price. I don't want him for the price of R.J. Barrett. This team has more issues. First of all, the Phoenix Suns have five more wins than the Knicks do. Okay. Like, and they have, by the way, you talk about how we have like Julius Randle, who, by the way, was a sixth, like he was basically a bench guy last uh, two years ago. He's a very improved player. I'll give him that. But come on. They, the Phoenix Suns have DeAndre Ayton, who is going to be the, a franchise center for them, and Devin Booker. 
they have fucking more talent than those two guys than the Knicks have in their roster. You know, so like, what is Devin Booker going to do if you trade RJ Barrett away for him? Oh, great. He's going to shoot what? More times? He'll have 28 points per game versus 26? He'll, he's, he, you know, Allen Iverson at least had talent around him. Like, Devin Booker, is, he just can't do enough to have this team win. So while I do want prestige players like Devin Booker, I don't want to give up the farm to get Devin Booker. I would I would love if we could have <laughs> somehow a team of R.J. Barrett, Devin Booker, and then, yes, to your point, you know, let's get some ancillary pieces, maybe even Julius Randle still on the team. I get it, but I understand that's probably not going to happen. I would want, again, when I'm looking at the free agency of – you know, the NBA and, and that, what, what's going on with that. That's where I want to build upon. I want to, I, I understand the Knicks are not going to be well this year. They're not even part of or, or the Orlando thing where the Phoenix Suns are, which is a fucking joke. But, you know, what I'm looking for, I want to look for whether it's, you know, 2021, whether it's like just looking into the, towards the future. There's so many guys that could be available that may help this team um, that you could sign or you could, you, you could potentially draft. Like there's ways to go about it. I just don't, don't you feel like this is the, the prototypical Nick strategy It's like, once you get a, Oh, we have a decent rookie. Let's trade him for a fucking veteran with a max contract. Like that's always been the issue. It's it, you're going back now since like the, the only time the Knicks have been successful. And I, I'm not counting like the sixties and seventies. I'm saying like recently was when we drafted Patrick Ewing, you know, that's, that was like the last time the Knicks were, were, were successful on an annual basis. And then you surrounded Patrick Ewing. You surrounded with a John Starks and Allen Houston, right? You get you gave him guys that he could, you know, Anthony Mason, Charles Oakley. We'll go down the list, but at least these guys were they weren't fucking Michael Jordan. They weren't even Scottie Pippen. They were ancillary role players. And I, I, I get how the league looks now, but at the end of the day, you need to have some sort of, you know, strategy around a young, blooming player you can surround yourself with. That's not just a pure shot shooter like Devin Booker. Like I'm just telling like that he's not Devin Booker by himself. He doesn't do enough to win games by himself. He's not Giannis. He's not LeBron James. He is a shooting guard who who shoots threes and shoots a ton. That's just doesn't get it done now. It doesn't get it done anymore. This is, this is not the Allen Iverson league. Yeah. Allen Iverson would be out of the league right now if it was if if he was in this league today and not 25 years ago. I got you know, that's you, that's the difference. I, I think I think what I would do is I would. I agree with, with a lot of what you said. I think I would call the Suns and I would be like, look, RJ Barrett's off the table. When you, by the way, I got a really big laugh when you said you didn't want, you wouldn't give up the farm for for Devin Booker because who's the farm? Like, well, the to me, like, is RJ, RJ Barrett's the farm. What? Yeah. Is RJ, RJ Barrett's the farm? Is thing, the right. farm. I would call the Suns and be like, look, RJ's off the table and we're willing to include one and only one first round pick. You can have anybody else on our roster, as many of them as you want, for Devin Booker. You can you can put together your entire trade package of anyone on our roster other than R.J. Barrett and one first-round pick. Is there any combination within those parameters that gets it done? That's what I would ask. That's the question I would put to the Suns. My guess is they say no, because I don't see who the fuck on the Knicks. Like, like, like just spitball. Does Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, Natila Akina, Dennis Smith, and a first round pick get it done? I don't think so. I don't think I take I'm, that. If, I don't think that I take that if I'm the Suns. Well, I mean, so let me ask you a question because you said first round pick. 
Is there any protection on that? Yeah, I would. I would make it like, well, in this draft, no, because I don't, so think, if, there's a, I don't think there's a consensus. I don't think there's a consensus top pick in this draft. I think that you know the first five to seven guys in this draft are fairly interchangeable. The last time I felt that was the Anthony Davis to the to the Cavs fucking debacle. And I don't think there's a I don't think there's like a, a premium blue chipper in this in this draft who you look at and you're like, that guy's incredible. So if they wanted a 2020 pick, I'd make it unprotected. So I think that if you so that's where your value would come, right? Because the Knicks are not going to be good even with Devin Booker on the roster with RJ Barrett this year um, or next year. So if you made it unprotected, I do think that would have value. I do think you would probably have to go down the, the, the road of what the Nets did, unfortunately. And that's why I hate because, again, when I, we're talking about trading multiple first-round picks. No, I won't give up well, multiple first-round picks. I'm saying one first-round pick. That's well, but that, what I'm saying is if you that's, if that's you probably have to go down the multiple first-round pick road to have it done without R.J. Barrett. Then I'm not doing because it. Now, well, now let's switch gears. Do I think you can get it done with the Minnesota Timberwolves for Mitchell Robertson, an unprotected first-round pick, and even a Kevin Knox? I do. Really? They're, they're, I do. I think the Minnesota Timberwolves are at a point where they just want to blow up the team. The Jimmy Butler thing killed them. Obviously, they, they got rid of Andrew Wiggins. I think that they're ready to just move on. I, mean, I think I, they would look, take a Mitchell Robinson, a young, a young center like him, and an unprotected first to build that team back up. Yeah, maybe I think they would it. take it. But, but to me, Booker's got a lot more value than Towns. And, and by the way, I don't say that because I think Booker's necessarily a better player than Towns. I just think in in this league, in the, you know, guards are, are what you value, and and Towns is a great player, but I just to me, there's only so much value that you can build into a big man in this league unless his name is Anthony Davis, who can change the game all by himself. But unless unless that's your name, I just think that having guards is is so much more important, and so so I would be trying to make a deal with the Suns now if I couldn't. Would I trade Mitchell Robinson an unprotected first round pick and Kevin Knox for Carl Anthony Towns? I don't know. I think real fucking hard about it though. Um, you know, I, again, like I, I, nobody values first round picks more than me. I, I would not trade a first round pick, an unprotected first round pick, in a normal draft. But in this particular draft, I don't see a LeBron James. I don't see a Steph Curry who I know I know went eighth, but who I had you know a lot going a lot higher than that. I thought it should have gone a lot higher than that. I don't see a blue chip guy like that who you look at and you're like, you know, this is the guy we need. To me, the first five, six, seven picks, you could make an argument depending on your team needs for almost any one of them. And, and the experts have. Like for a while, uh, Ball, LeVar Ball, well, I'm not LeVar, um, LaMelo was number one, right? People were saying, oh, he's going to be the first round pick. And now they're saying, well, he's more like the fifth-round pick. And I've heard other names at first. So this year, I would give you an unprotected first-round pick. Um, you know, and, and Mitchell Robinson for, for Carl Anthony Towns and, and start from there. Um, but that's not who I want. I would rather have Devin Booker. And if there were a combination of players and this year's first-round pick that could bring him to the Knicks, uh, I, would do it in, I would do it in a fucking heartbeat. All right, so – We've talked about uh, Booker to the Knicks, and, and this is a little bit of a surprise topic, but, but it occurs to me that while we're talking about New York sports teams and trades, we, we have to uh, 
talk about the Jets and their and their their Pro Bowl safety who now says he wants out. What are you doing with that? Well, if you if you read a lot of um, you know fan sites, fan forums for the Jets, I, I think things have turned on Jamal Adams. I think that he has made it known that he is not a team guy, like he portrayed for the past few years. As, as you know, since he's been drafted in 2017, um, he is all about himself again, and this bothers me. And I, I get it. I get that, you know, get your money and get your contract. I get it. But you know what? Honor your fucking contract. Like, you still have time on the clock, Jamal. I get that you are playing at a premium. I get you want your money now. But we have I, – I value what the Jets are doing. Because the Jets are like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Like, you're on a rookie deal still. Like, we'll get to you when we get to you. And by the way, we understand that you have value – we get we get you at six and a half sacks last year. We get that you had you know a pit. You get a pick in the past couple of years, but you are still a safety. You are still a position that is overvalued in the NFL. You know where in, in really a defense is is based on the front seven, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, and if you have a good front seven, the back half will just do its job. And Tremaine Robinson, I mean, is the fucking proof of that pudding, a hundred percent. Oh, I don't um, agree. I don't agree with you. I, I think safeties are undervalued, but I value cornerbacks almost as I, cornerbacks and defensive ends are my two positions on defense. Uh, to me, it's if the quarterback goes all the time in the world, the cornerback doesn't mean shit. Like the, the good wide receiver will get open. It doesn't matter who who's on him. Yeah, like it could be fucking. But, yeah, but I don't unless it's Darrell Revis in his prime. Split seconds, and the difference between having a good cornerback and a bad cornerback is open or not open in a lot of cases. I disagree. I think the variance between a good rushing defensive end and a good covering cornerback are wildly different. All right. I think if, because I mean, honestly, like you, you look at like a guy like Jadavion Clowney, for instance, and that's a bad example, but huh. even like a, a, a JJ Watt, right? Like you take a JJ Watt and you take, I mean, who's the top corner in the league? I mean, uh, fucking the guy from Gilmore, Stefan Gilmore. And you take a middle of the road guy or, or like it is a vast difference. And you even saw, we, like, we had a guy last year, Bless Austin, who came out of nowhere and actually performed well at the cornerback position. We can't get a fucking sack to save our lives. You know, so, like, <laughs> it, that, that's the difference. Like, yeah. it's just – so I think, like, while Jamal Adams can play any – he's a very good utility safety, which what I mean by that is he's not – he's not um, – he's not like Reed was on the Ravens, right? He's a – he can rush the quarterback. He can, he can block – he can uh, defend the tight end. He can defend the long ball. He's a very – He's a utility-based safety. He has value. I just don't like what he's doing to force the issue. And what I mean by that is, you know, saying how Bill Belichick does it right. You know, fuck off with that. Like, if you really want to turn a goddamn city on you, that's how you do it. And maybe that's what he wants to do. Maybe he just doesn't want to be a Jet. Because that, that's really what, we're, what like Jets fans are really considering, is that this guy just doesn't want to be on the team anymore. And when he even came out and said, well... I'd be willing to accept a trade to the Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, or the Houston Texans. And by the way, you don't have to have an extension with me. I'll sign with you eventually. Well, what the fuck is that? Like, what does that mean? So you're not going to want, you're not willing to be a Jet um, with that, you know, now, but you're willing to be like a Chief for the same, like for the same money you're making this year. Like, he's just, uh, this, I don't know. Like, I just don't think he likes to be a Jet anymore. 
I, I don't thought know he, if he, I thought he wanted to be a Gaines? cowboy. Didn't he want to be a cowboy? He gave up. There was a rumor a couple of, like a couple of weeks ago. He gave a list of teams that he wanted to be traded to. Cowboys were one of them, but there was also the Chiefs on there. There were the Ravens on there. Uh, Houston Texans. I think the Green Bay Packers were on there. It was all winning teams. Okay. All like teams that could win the Super Bowl tomorrow, and that's who we wanted to be traded to. And he even made the statement that I understand if I'm traded to a winning franchise, they may not they may not have the money to pay me this year, but I will commit to them if I'm traded to them. That's wow. what kills. That's what kills us. It's like, are you fucking kidding? Like, you're not willing to see this through. We have a new GM finally who's doing the right thing and bringing good pieces onto this franchise, and you want to leave for nothing? Like, and then you know that's the thing too. Like, and he's stipulating his teams. You think we're gonna get anything from the fucking Kansas City Chiefs? Like, you think we're getting anything of value from the fucking Baltimore Ravens? Like, no, no, like fuck off. Like, if we're gonna trade the Bengals, we're gonna trade the fucking Bengals. You're gonna like it, you know? Like, yeah, it's just shit like that. Which, which is, it's like, what do you do? Like, who? Like, you are supposed to be the captain of this team. And now you're just being an asshole. What do you think he's worth? Like on the open market, you think he's worth? I don't think I don't think he's worth a first round pick if you got to then pay him. But I could see, well, I could see a second rounder. No, well, I mean, for me, he's 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 an all pro. Like he, yeah, but, like, if, but he's not, I, if he's not worth the first, then I don't know what the fuck's going. Yeah, like, but, but I got to pay him too. Like it's not just he's not just an all pro who I I spend a first round pick for. I then have to hand out maybe a potentially market resetting contract to a safety, which is not a guy at a premium position. So I don't think I'm giving you a first round pick for him. I think I'm giving you a second round pick for him. Well, I I honestly believe that is where there's a standstill because if you look at Minka Fitzpatrick, right. And I I don't know, there's a lot of comparisons with Minka Fitzpatrick, Jamal Adams. I understand they play kind of two different roles, Um, but Minka Fitzpatrick got a first round pick. Now, Again, like I, I think there's some comparisons there. Yeah, but isn't he on? But, his, isn't he still like, like has more years of team control? I think than Jamal Adams does. Off the top of my head, I don't know. I thought he his expires in 2022, and I think Jamal Adams expires in 2021. I mean, oh, I think really? that's where that's I okay. I think, um, but again, like you know, you do so. Jamal Adams isn't expiring this year. I think that's there, there's a lot of like people are like, well, you know, was he expiring this year? No, they still have a club option for 2021. Um, he's a free agent in 2022 where you believe he would, they would franchise him, but he still has a couple of years of control left on his on his uh, on his contract. You know, that's where that's why the Jets Jets fans are like fucking irate because this is where like the the teams become successful in the NFL by building around rookie deals. If if there is no point of a rookie deal, then then renegotiate that in a union contract. Otherwise, deal with it. Like I don't understand what this has become like a gun to the head scenario now, because now with him doing that, now you're putting more pressure on the front office to to give you more money, which now will now negatively affect our cap space to build around Sam Darno and actually bring in talent to to help him, because now we have to pay a guy who yes, all pro. It's third year, second year, third year in the league. Amazing. Great job. But at the same time, like now you're hurting us because you got that where we should be able to use some of this money to bring in some more talent. So that's, that's where I think a lot of fans are saying, you know, it's wrong timing and he's not doing it the right way either. He's, he's not doing, doing basically no. how he, he's like not, the Jaguars guy did it. He's yeah. trying to fucking force his way out. He's not, he's not doing it the right way. I think is 
I think it's a good point. I think what you said before was a great point about, you know, there are other teams out there who he seems to say, I'll be patient with, um, you know, if I get traded to the team I want, but I'm not going to do that for the Jets. That kind of sits wrong with me. And I'm not really a Jets fan, but that sits wrong with me. And he's a captain of the team. Like, are you kidding? Like, how do you say that as a captain, for Christ's sake, as a leader of the defense? I get that he's really important to the team. I mean, the comparison to Minka Fitzpatrick, I think, is a good one. Minka Fitzpatrick, you were right. He's got one more year of team control. So he's got two years plus his rookie option year. Jamal Adams has one year plus his rookie option year. So Minka Fitzpatrick has a little bit more value. If you consider them equal players, frankly, I think I think Adams is better. So maybe you would get a late first rounder for him, or even a mid first rounder for him. But but you know, Joe Douglas doesn't seem to me like a guy who gets bullied. Um, so maybe what Joe Douglas does or says is, you know, fuck you. We're gonna pick up. You know, you're gonna play out your contract. We're gonna pick up your option. You're gonna play two years, and then guess what? Then might we might franchise you for a year. So you're gonna be here for three years, like it or lump it. You better get on our get on our team because I don't see Joe Douglas being bullied into trading him at a fire sale price just because Jamal Adams is going to kick up a little dust. That doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that Douglas is. He's not. He's stuck to his guns. He's stuck to his guns in free agency. There's a reason we haven't, you know, offered thirty million dollars a year to Clowney. I mean, there's there's reasons that like what's going on, like where. Um, Mike McCagnan, our former GM, would have just opened up the bank account for guys like that. Like he's Douglas has stuck to his guns. He has value. He he puts value to certain contracts. And this is one where he's like, you know what? I get it. I get you want to get paid, but you know what, guy? Like you're not as valuable as you think. And if you want to get traded, it's fine. But we're gonna get a ransom for you. Otherwise, you're gonna shut up and you're gonna play. By the way, if you don't. We'll just find the fuck out of you. Right. Go ahead and sit, go sit, sit at home. And by the way, oh, you know what I want to do too? Out of spite, I want to fucking franchise tag you for the next five fucking years. Yeah. So you're not gonna be, you're not gonna play at all because I'll just find you the amount of money I'll franchise tag you for. You know. So he's playing it well. Jamal Adams has very little leverage in this in this situation, and Joe Douglas, like I said, doesn't seem like a guy who who is easily pushed around. I don't see him bowing and trading Jamal Adams for you know and and not getting at least a fair amount in return the guy's under control for two years you can franchise him at the safety position at something reasonable i think jamal adams is is overplaying his hand here a little bit and um you know i don't necessarily think that this is gonna gonna end well for him i think that um you know he hasn't gone about it the right way and you know the shame of it is i think if he you know he's the captain of the team if he shut his mouth, put his head down, led by example for a couple of years, and continued to play well, the shame of it is, in a year or two, I think Joe Douglas would take care of him. I think he would open the ball for him. But he's not going to do it with a gun to his head, and I got to tell you, I don't blame him. All right, we got to take a, a very quick break. We will be back here uh, in just a minute. Do not go anywhere. We got We got more to talk about. All right, welcome back. Uh, you know, it occurs to me that I forgot to say at the beginning of the show uh, that if you are enjoying the podcast, please, please, please uh, subscribe to it. Uh, you will get notification when we drop new episodes. We have very much been enjoying interacting with our new listeners and our new followers. Um, I've enjoyed the, uh, the Facebook comments. 
And, uh, you know, we definitely want to hear more from you guys. So um, please, please, please subscribe. Uh, you gotta, gotta stay in the loop and continue to listen to us, uh, drink our drinks and, and talk shit about sports. We, we love having you. All right. So we're going to, I guess, backtrack a little bit here. Cause uh, you know, I know we talked about this a little bit with the NFL, but, um, the NBA restart, unfortunately is off to a inauspicious start. As most of you now know, 22 teams will be heading to Disneyland in Disney World, Disneyland, not one of them, doesn't matter, in Orlando uh, for the NBA restart on July 30th. Um, and when I say it's, it's not off to a good start, I mean that they have begun testing players for COVID-19 and a number of players have tested positive for COVID-19. Another group of players, I think most recently, Victor Aladipo, have opted out of the restart. And things are just not um, going as smoothly as I think any of us hoped that they would and, and wanted, to, wanted to see them go. So, um, you know, that part of it is unfortunate. Um, but what we're going to talk about tonight is, is the most recent news out of NBA land which is the NBA is going to allow, I don't know if you heard this, Jim, they're going to allow, instead of players putting their names on the back of their uniforms, they will allow players to put a social justice slogan on the back of their uniforms. And when I first heard this, I was like, well, how the fuck is that going to work? Because the very first time that a player wants to put free Taiwan on the back of their uniform the NBA is going to flip out because of the inroads they're trying to make in China and the amount of money that's going to cost them. So there's like no way they're going to let them do that. And then I learned that, no, 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 it's only approved social justice messages. There's like 20 or 25 social justice messages that have been approved by the NBA. Um, the most, I think, common and the most of the most utilized are Black Lives Matter and I Can't Breathe. Um, but there are other ones that you can pick from. How do you feel about the NBA permitting players to wear social justice slogans on the back of their uniforms? Well, they're fucking hypocrites. I mean, that's, that's all, that's all I have to say about that. I mean, you know, China, the incident with China earlier this year um, has, is all I have to say about that. You know, when you, when you are going to say, well, we need to evaluate, we need to look into it. Like, that's all bullshit. Like there were so many, the issue you mentioned with Taiwan, like they had all the chances in the world. LeBron James was a fucking role model over there. Um, and all of them just zipped their lips and proceeded as normal and saw the money where the money was and just decided to play basketball. Now where, Oh, well it, it affects America. This is where we live. Like, come on guys. And by the way, like to your point, about, I get having Black Lives Matter represented in some a scenario. I understand it. I get there is, I, I'm not going to be blind to the fact that there is a movement happening currently in America, um, you know, where and, and there is some opposition, right? There is that, that need for, I think, people to want to be represented more than they are currently um, represented. However, having said that, 
this is when I go back to what I open up this show with was that there are ways that are done that are very things like this that are done are very superficial. This is what's the next thing here, Chris? Are we going to bring back He Hate Me? Are we going to do the XFL again? Are we just going to have like, you know, just random shit on people's jerseys? Like, none of this matters. LeBron James, like, I get you tweet some stuff. Go out there. Go to a Trump rally. Like, get go out there on the streets. Live in Seattle. Like, do something where it's not just some superficial bullshit. Same thing with James Harden. Same thing with Chris Paul. These guys who are just very vocal, but you never, as far as I know, I don't see them in the communities actually trying to drive change and trying to drive progression. I see this. And honestly, it's like, it's it to me, this is equivalent. And maybe we're going to get flack for this on the podcast. Oh, God, honestly, yeah. Like, just try to, I want to debate this because honestly, to me, this is the equivalent of saying the Honeymooners is, the, the, the TV show The Honeymooners in the 1950s and 1960s advanced domestic violence. When I look at, when I watch today. What kind of horse shit is that? Are you kidding? So you're going to look at something like 50 years ago and say, well, oh, they were doing it wrong. Well, fucking no shit they were doing it wrong. <laughs> but that we can't change that just like we can change just random words on people's jerseys that mean nothing. What does that mean? People understand. I'm pretty sure if you poll today, I like we could do it on the podcast. We could put a poll out to our listeners. And to, honestly, it doesn't have to be that. We can just do it to anybody, random, random people on the street and ask them, do you know what Black Lives Matter is? I mean, shit. Nine out of ten will say yes. I mean, come on. Like, you have to be having your head under the sand at this point not to know it because we're all at home and we're all having news shoved in our face. We have to understand what that means. Even I can't breathe. I can't breathe. You might get seven or eight out of ten. But this, these are already things that are known. So what is the point of putting it in a jersey? I would say, you know what, the, you know what they should be doing? And I understand this. We get a lot more fucking flack, but that's why the NBA doesn't want to do it. Have LeBron James have a 15-minute sit-down with an audience prior to an NBA game and just have a discussion. Have a platform. Have it during halftime. Or, I'm sorry, do, yeah, during the uh, – just have LeBron James coming out of the court and have a fucking uh, a sit-down with, with a, a select group of people who were tested for coronavirus. Like, that would get way more attention and publicity and even maybe even more progression than having, you know, respect us on the back of our fucking jersey. Like, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just, it's just superficial. You know, the great thing about this show among many others is that, that I said it from the very first episode and I stand by it. We are going to be honest with you. Like there are all these, you know, sports center and all these different podcasts run by all these famous guys and they, they sugarcoat stuff, and they never, like, just want to tell it as it is. And that's not going to be us. We're going to be popular with some people. We're going to be unpopular with some people, and that's the way the cookie's going to crumble. But we're going to be honest with you because that's what is going to separate our show from all the others. Let me be honest with you right now. The NFL and the NBA, the entities, don't give a flying fuck about social justice. They could care less. Roger Goodell could care less. The owners could care less. They don't give a fuck. The only thing that they do care about is money. And when it was financially more viable for the NFL not to allow players to kneel during the national anthem and to keep Colin Kaepernick as quiet as possible, that's what the NFL did. 
now that the winds have changed and it's it's more popular in financially viable to allow kneeling and social justice slogans on the uniforms, that's the professional what the professional league is going to do. But this is all about riding the wave of what they think is popular and they think is what people want to hear and see. And they don't give a tiny fucking rat's ass about social justice. My dear listeners, if you believe me about anything, please believe that. The answer to all your questions is money. All these people care about is money. I agree with you about the social justice slogans on the uniforms. I think it's misplaced. I think there are better ways to go about it. To me, it's like the Rooney rule. It's something that you say you're doing and you're making a show of, but that doesn't really accomplish anything. I don't like it. I think it's going to be divisive. I think it's going to turn people off. I don't think it's going to make a difference, except I think that the people who are going to wear the social justice slogans, it'll make them them feel good about themselves. There's some segment of people watching who will be glad that the slogans and that they feel are their voices, you know, are being heard by and by famous athletes on a nationally televised broadcast. I'm not diminishing that. I don't think it's going to do shit for actual social justice, just as you said. I think this is all for appearances. I think this is the NBA trying to ride a wave of political correctness. I think that I think that the NBA, I think Major League Baseball, I think the NFL should say the fuck out of politics and say the fuck out of social justice issues and say the fuck out of everything that doesn't have to do with sports and just play the goddamn game. That's what I think. And and you know, I don't know what else to say other than that because I get why they're doing it. I, I get that the the social justice slogans are important to some, but I agree with you, Jim. I just don't think that it. I, I just don't think it matters that much. And, and you know, you there could be other ways to do it, and that's what it kills me about this, right? Like it's the same thing with the NFL doing the. Um, I, I, and again, I'm, I'm, I don't know for a fact. I saw this in, in, I think it was ESPN, but they're doing like the black national anthem for week one um, versus the actual national anthem. But here's my thing. Are there people who are like, you know, I think I might hate black people, but, I, <laughs> but, but, but I'm not sure. Now that I've heard it. Now that I've heard yeah, like, it. But now that I heard I you know what? Now I agree with that. Like, are I'm there people that are really to- like in the middle of like whether or not they hate African-Americans? Yeah, like, no, it's, it's, like, it's, so it's, it's like, to me, it's like, you're not going to change the mind of racists. And you're not going to change the mind of people who are already on Black Lives Matter. What you should be doing is saying, here's a link at the bottom. What we're going to do is this. We're going to base our, I don't know, just a random example, but you can donate $20 to Black Lives Matter and attach a name to that, whether it's Giannis, whether it's LeBron, whether it's fucking Mitchell Robinson. And if you do that, that person will be nominated to the All-Star Game depending on the amount of dollars they have towards their name. Oh, I like, like that. Then there's, there's a million things. You could do a million things like that. I like, like that. And, you're, and then there's actual money funneling into charities for this cause rather than saying, oh, but no, no, no. LeBron James having Black Lives Matter on his shirt, that's, that's way more beneficial. That's, that's bullshit to your point. It is all fake and that's why I, I laugh at people who tell me all the time, like, well, corporations, if they do something like that, they should be praised. For what? Why? For, like, 
look, there's certain organizations who do good. There are things, there are companies who do go out of their way to support certain groups and support certain initiatives. And that should be praised because they don't, again, they don't have to do it. Now, again, yes, it all comes down to PR, but at least what they're doing is benefiting the community. This is not doing any of that. No. Having names on somebody's jersey, what is that? Oh, we're driving awareness. Awareness? All of America knows about it. Like, it's how do you not? Like, it doesn't. Like, you can live in the bum fucks of Indiana. You know no about offense, it. Right? No, no offense to Indiana listeners, yeah. but at the same time, you know about it because yeah. it's it's on the news. So, like, there's no way you don't know about it. That's you what know, I'm here, saying. Like, it's here, it's a joke. Here's what's so silly about the NBA and the or the NFL and the national anthem and the kneeling and the not kneeling and the black national anthem and and the whole thing. Okay, I have watched more football games live then I would say 99 out of 100 people. Like, if you lined up 100 people and there was one person who's watched more football games live than I have, I would be impressed by that. Over the past 20 years, I think I could count on one hand the amount of times I've actually watched on TV the National Anthem before a football game. I never tune in for the national anthem. I'm always the guy tuning in like, like two minutes before kickoff. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I'm the guy. I mean, you know, it starts at 105, right? So, like, I'm the guy who's putting on this on at 12:58. Like, I'm getting my beers. I'm getting my sandwich. Like, who the fuck watches the national anthem? Have you? How many times have you seen the national anthem before a football game? Well, the only reason why I see it is because I usually go to the bar to watch the games because I'm putting, you know, I think I mentioned this earlier in, this, in the podcast, like episode one or two, but I do bet a heavy amount of money each week on the NFL. Um, so I do like to watch a lot, at least like four or five different games at the same time. So while you're in the bar, they turn the volume when the national anthem is going on. Now, you'll have some people who I question because they'll stand up and remove their hats in a bar and like put their fucking hand over their heart. Really? Yeah. And to me, that's all right. That's like, a little uh, bit much. That's a little too much. I love America too. But <laughs> see, yeah. I, I, I have I have a Sunday ticket on DirecTV, so I watch most of the games at at home. Um, I, I I mean I watch games in bars, but but from my perspective, like you know, there's always some drunk asshole like screaming in a game that I don't care about, and like it, it when I I think I want maybe watch a game differently than sort of the average fan. Like I'm really trying to pay attention and to sort of break down the X's and O's like live and in real time. That's just what I enjoy doing. And so for me, you know, it's distracting to have, you know, three drunk idiots screaming in, in the corner. So I try not to watch games at bars. And so I haven't seen a lot of the national anthem. I, I can tell you of all times I've seen games in bars, I've never seen anybody actually like stand up and take off their hat for the national anthem. That's pretty fucking hilarious. You know, maybe maybe the answer. What do you think about this? Let's just stop playing the fucking national anthem at, at major sporting events. What, what about that? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I don't know why this has ever become a tradition. I guess because of you know, again, this we're talking about. There's, it's like, it's almost like how baseball is with the unwritten rules and like you have to keep tradition, which is funny because how much is baseball is changing for this year. But like, I just feel like it's like, it's always that. It's always, we have to do what we've done. And this is go, actually, we didn't, we didn't really bring this up. And I know it's not really, you know, nobody really gives a fuck about golf, but like golf, for instance. So they were, they announced this, this week that Fox dropped the coverage to NBC. And it's been the same 
coverage for 35 years on CBS and NBC. You have Jim Nance on, you know, oh, we're at the Masters and, oh, it's precious and Tiger Woods and, you know, get your fucking uh, Sunday brunch out. And, oh, it's so good. Like Fox was trying to do more things with it. And people were like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're changing us. <laughs> this is, there's, a, there's a tradition here you can't do. It's the same shit with the MLB umpires and how, no, no, no. You have to have a fucking human back there. You can't have technology, even though tennis fucking does it. You can't do baseball because, God forbid, you tarnish the reputation of the league because, you know, we didn't have steroids fucking, you know, guys fucking each other in the, in the, in the locker room. Like, no, no, it's got it can't tarnish the baseball. I mean, come on, like, like enough is enough. They, like to your point, yeah, we don't need the fucking anthem anymore. Nobody cares. There's only a very select few of pe- people who care. Who give a and fuck? If you, got, if you got rid of it, people would still watch. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's it's such a novel idea. Like, I can't believe people would still watch about the national anthem. Like, I'm telling watch you, I'm telling you, a three-hour game, like, and you get rid of like eighty percent of the problems because then you don't have to worry about who the fuck's kneeling, who's standing, all this stuff. Just be like, you know what? We're not playing it anymore. You know, if you want to hear the anthem. Bring your own headphones and listen to the fucking anthem, right? So, like, that's what I think about that. I don't like, I don't like the social justice thing on the on the uniforms, but it appears that direct that's the direction we're going. I have to tell you, I'm more concerned, much more concerned, with the positive coronavirus test because we haven't even gotten into the fucking bubble yet, and there's already been, you know, like almost a dozen NBA players who have tested positive for coronavirus and and i just think that's the thing that that is going to kill the season if they get in that bubble and it starts to spread like that's that's going to be a really bad scene so um you know that that to me is is the most concerning thing we've seen so far so the last thing we've talked about tonight is uh baseball's restart God, I'm I'm so sick of talking about baseball, though. I mean, and that's why for that's part of the reason why we saved it for last because these guys and the negotiations, like, it's just so fucking stupid and annoying. It's like the gang who shouldn't couldn't shoot straight. So they didn't reach a deal. They reached no deal. the The players' last I think proposal was seventy games. MLB wanted 50 games at full prorated. Then MLB went up to 60 games. The players stuck at 70 games. There was no deal. MLB instituted a 60-game season. And now there's going to be a 60-game season and a grievance. And this all just portends, forecasts very badly for the 2021 labor negotiations. Because these fuckers couldn't even reach an agreement in the middle of a pandemic. On they, they were fighting over whether to play 60 games or 70 games. Are you fucking kidding me, right? So there's going to be a 60-game season that's going to be imposed now by the owners without agreement. Um, I just can't believe that that's what it's come to. Um, what have you heard about, you know, have you, have you heard anything about the negotiations or where we go from here? I mean, the only thing that I've read is that, you know, they're implementing the, I think they're doing some rule changes. Um, obviously, the, the DH rule will be in effect for the National League, which I know has every traditionalist up in arms. What does um, that solve? Why is that? What, is that? what the fuck does that have to do with the, with the pandemic? I guess that what they're trying to do is they don't want, they don't want teams switching out pitchers for the sake of switching out pitchers. 
because of of the fact that they're they don't want a lot of people in and out of the, of a team, and that goes to back to the whole. Well, we're not doing AAA anymore, so they're going to have what sixty man rosters and unlimited pitchers. But the, the the pitchers have to pitch to at least three batters, so you can't have like a lefty specialist anymore. You know, so like there's there's things like that that are changing, and plus you have now the extra inning rule. I don't know if you saw that, but in the extra innings, there's going to be a guy in second to start the inning. You know, I actually like that, and and I get it's not tradition, but sometimes when these games go into extra innings and nobody can score, it's the most painful shit in the world. Like, you have the third baseman wind up coming in to pitch. Like, I can't stand that shit. Like, and so I, I don't mind the whole – we're going to put a guy on second. I get it's not traditional. I get it's not purist, but it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers some other people. Oh, I mean, yeah, and it does bother some other people. I, yes. Honestly, they, what they should have done is, is honestly, this is where they should have done the umpire thing, where they say, you know, we're going to test out the technology of balls and strikes with a, with a robot. I, I don't know why they didn't. I don't know why they, they want to have an umpire breathing over a catcher in a fucking middle of a pandemic. Like, I, I get – now, I, I will say this. I do really like the 60-man rosters. Uh, I understand it's going to whittle down as the year goes on, but I do. Th- I, I think it gives a really good um, opportunity to a lot of kids who are in the minors and don't really have a uh, had a shot or are young, but you know, they want to prove themselves and maybe they can you know come in as a pitcher or a hitter. I think it's a really good thing, and I think it it really gives um, it really gives added value. Now we talk about like the betting markets on this show sometimes. When you look at a 60-game season, a shortened season like this, that's a one-third of the year, right? I mean, you've seen, like, Kansas City Royals, for instance, going into an all-star break, leading the Central. Yeah. Like, and, then, and, like, you've seen this before. Now, on top of that, you're bringing in their their farm system studs on top of their major league roster that can maybe fill in. And, you know, these guys are talented. They can maybe go three for four with two home runs one night. Like, that it is going to be another level of – like just just uh, mystery when it comes to a lot of these teams, I, I'm actually really excited for it. And, and look, I'm a Yankee fan, so obviously um, the Yankees are, were expected before COVID hit to be a big player this year in in the American League and probably the World Series. Uh, and so the, with the Dodgers as well, with all the trades they made in the offseason. But I I do like the 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 fact that a lot of these teams are are on the even playing field, and you know besides a few teams, everybody's really potentially in contention at least make the playoffs everybody's in contention you know how it's going to turn out i mean i love that from a baseball standpoint i mean i think it's going to be fun because it's going to be different you're going to have expanded rosters you're going to have everybody's in it you know whoever gets off to a fast start has a chance to take it i think that's going to be fun um I think the you know the difference of we're gonna have DHs is gonna be fun, but I don't particularly really see it as like a real season. I see it almost the same way that I see the home run derby. It's fun, but it's not like all that serious, you know. Like I, I don't know. I mean, and from a betting perspective, I don't know how the fuck you bet on. Like, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? Like, I mean, there, there's no possible way. Like, I, like, I guess if if I was going to bet on the World Series champion, I would just take whatever team had the best odds. Because I think it's so fucking random at this point that you may as well get odds on your money. Um, 
but yeah, I, I don't see it as like a real major league baseball season. Do you? Well, I think, well, going back to what you just said, I think what people are doing is they're saying, you know, they're taking like the Toronto Blue Jays, for instance, to make the playoffs. There's a lot, there's a lot of uh, juice right now. If you look at Vegas and the bookmakers, a lot of actions coming in on make the playoffs odds because it is so random to your point, right? Like shit, the, the, the Blue Jays are 60 to one. I mean, you can get the fucking Detroit Tigers at hundred to one. Like, it's it for five bucks to win five hundred. Like, yeah, and 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 it, and, it, and it puts some interest, more interest on the major league season that you wouldn't have. And even though it's five dollars, yeah, for the Detroit Tigers to randomly make the playoffs at five hundred for five hundred bucks for for two months, like it's a no brainer. So there is a lot of that. I you know for me, um, I like baseball, so I am pretty excited for the year. I don't I don't know I I don't see it as a traditional season. Having said that, while I honor the world series champion, just like I honored the world series champions of the past who either were part of like a union strike or had fucking their team with steroids up to the gills. Like, yeah, I mean, I probably will only because like I said, it's, it's a tricky situation with this year. I don't, and this is another thing. Baseball starting fresh. It's a little tricky for me with the NBA and the NHL when they're inviting other teams who had no shot of the NBA at the playoffs. And now like all of a sudden they have a shot at the playoffs because they want to just extend, extend the season. That is a little tricky to me. Like I know the NHL right now is doing, they wanted, they formed an idea of play, playing games. Um, they invited their New York Rangers who had no shot to make the playoffs this year to do a play in game against the Carolina hurricanes. Now the Rangers own the hurricanes all year, you know? So it's like one of those things where it's like, well, the hurricanes were in the playoffs. So now if they lose the Rangers, they're out. Like, right. then you have, you have the same thing with the NBA. The fucking Pelicans probably wouldn't have made it. But now, like, Zion had more months to recover. You have all these teams ready. And then they're all of a sudden going to make the playoffs where, like, the Brooklyn Nets, who were really striving. Well, now you have fucking Kyrie, who said he's not coming in. You have Dinwiddie, who said he's not going to come. Then you have Durant saying he's not going to come back this year. Well, now the Nets are going to be hot shit. Yeah. You know, like, so, that, so you had a lot of that where it's like, well, to me, restarting in the middle of a year is worse than starting it in the beginning of the year. I you know, agree. like a, a brand new season. Have you? Heard, how are we going to watch the MLB games this year? Are they going to be on Fox? I mean, like, like where, like, or are you going to need to have the package if you're out of market? I think it's both. I think they're going to have. I think they're going to do it. So the NBA is kind of weird where they're doing it like the courts are side by side. I don't know if you saw a picture of that, but I, I thought it was kind of weird. Um, but the MLB, yeah, I think it's going to be similar. They're going to be at their home stadium. So from what I know, it's going to be, you know, uh, market games. Otherwise, you have to have the package, which I don't know how much they're going to charge for 60 games. Um, but then they're also ESPNs, and they get their Sunday night stuff that they always do. And then you'll have another, you know, some other channels getting games. But, yeah, I think it's going to be the, the normal system. The normal system. Okay. I was thinking that maybe, just maybe, they would have a little heart because people um... – you know, there's going to be fewer games and they would put more games on free TV than on paid TV. But like I said earlier in the podcast, everything is about money for these guys. And so I don't know why I was even remotely hopeful that that was going to happen. Um, you know, I, I don't live in the New York market anymore, as as sad as that is. And, you know, every year I had the extra innings package. Um, I don't know if I'm going to have it this year because like you said, I don't know, like if they're going to charge me the full price for 60 games. So I haven't really thought that through. I suppose I'll well, I s- run somewhere to watch the net games. 
as somebody who paid ninety dollars to see Tony Ferguson get his ass kicked, I can tell you that these guys don't give a shit about the, <laughs> the, the current climate, and they will just charge you whatever they want. Exactly. <laughs> so, so who knows whether or not I'll even be able to watch every single Mets game this year? I mean, I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll catch some, but um, no, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'm excited for the NBA restart. I'm excited for MLB restart. I'm just excited to get back to sports. Honestly, like it's just time. I mean, I know that you know there's not going to be fans in the stands, which is going to, I think, change basketball more than it changes baseball. Um, I don't know how much a crowd really affects a baseball game as opposed to a basketball game. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Who do you like to, uh, to win it all this year? If you take a bet, we're going to end with, if you were to take a bet on one Major League Baseball team to come out of this sprint, come out of the playoffs and win the World Series, who are you taking? Oh well, you know, I, I I'm gonna go Yankees. I have to. I mean, they they've been they've been screwed the past few years by the Astros cheating, um, and this was the, this was their time. Now I, you can make an argument for the Dodgers, and I think if you look at the betting market, it's the Yankees and Dodgers are basically one and two, and everybody else is far behind them. But I will stick to my guns and say the New York Yankees, even though there there are some injuries that are concerning. You know, that's not a that's not a bad call, and it's funny. You know, to me one of the saddest things that's come out of this truncated MLB season and the lack of fans in the stands is I was honestly really ready for and really rooting for 81 games where the Astros were just going to get the shit booed out of them. Every batter that came to the plate was going to get booed. They were going to get booed during opening introductions. They were going to get booed at the end of the game when they were shaking hands. Like, I just wanted to see them get shit on for 81 games. And now I think a lot of that steam has sort of died off. So, Oh, not only that, they were, they were going to get beamed every at that. I mean, they, yeah. they, were, they were putting plans in place because they knew that the Astros were going to get targeted by the pitchers. Right. Like, the, umpire, the umpires were developing plans, and it was going to be ready to go. Yeah, I am, I am with you on that. And, and you know what it sucks, too, about that? Like Justin Verlander was not going to be ready for about two months of the of the year. I know. Like no. he's he's ready to go now. I like know. It's like these guys lay on their feet. <laughs> I know. It's really fucked up. But but hopefully the Astros will still get some humor shit, you know, happening to them uh, at least in the last sixty games, and it'll be a storyline we watch. I just want I you know I I kind of want to see them get beaten. I want to see the enjoyment and entertainment that comes with watching the Astros get get booed and beamed because God knows they deserve it. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Like I said, remember to subscribe so you get notice of when we drop podcasts. And uh, we'll see you in a week or two. Take care, everybody. Happy July 4th. And God bless America.